And the title of my sermon this morning is The Cults. And just so you know, it has occurred to me that a sermon on the cults would be dry, intellectual, perhaps not so exciting. And so, why the sermon on the cults? Because the time is evaporating. Because the church is in danger and it is sleeping. And so I can say to the church, and I feel compelled to say, beware, the cults are coming, the cults are flourishing as they were prophesied to come in the latter days, in the end times. I get excited about that too. I was telling my wife that as I'm preparing this sermon, I said, it might be dry, maybe more of a study than a sermon, but I just get excited about the fact that the rapture has got to be right around the corner. Why would he be asking me to tell you this? Because we need to know the last days are upon us. My text is 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, and that states, but the Spirit explicitly says, That in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Those of you cowboys know what a branding iron does. It makes a permanent mark on the hide. And so, dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, there is an enemy facing the church in America. As sly as a serpent, silent as a mouse, and as deadly as poison. And though it is a serpent, you cannot feel its bite. Though it is a mouse, you can hear it if you listen And though it is poison, its taste is sweet to the lips. And though it is an enemy of the church, you would think at times that the church is one of its best friends. Someone has said that the cults are the unpaid bills of the church. And what that statement is really saying is the success of the cults is due primarily to the failure of the churches. Because cults only walk where the churches fail to tread. They only grow in the soil that the churches have not tended. They only succeed where churches never really try. And we live in what many will call the most religious country and nation on earth. We have more churches, more preachers, more seminaries, more theologians. And we send out more missionaries than any other country in the world. Yet listen to this observation concerning cults. We in the United States gave the world a crop of false religions. We sowed to the wind the error of Mormonism plus the Jehovah's Witnesses and their lies. Christian science was born in this fair land and Scientology flourishes in Hollywood and beyond. You know, we gave the world these and other cults And having sown to this wind, we are now reaping the whirlwind. Our youth are captured by the thousands in Sun Young Moon's net. And now we have Muslim musks throughout the nation. 
America is a mission field for heresy. And the stuff thrives in our midst. Well, how could this happen? How can it be happening right now? How great is the challenge of the cults? First in our outline, consider the meaning of the word cult. What is a cult? How do you define it? Let's try out a simple definition. A cult is any religious group which, although it distorts the gospel and displaces Jesus Christ as the only true Lord, nevertheless, it claims authorization of its teachings from Christ in the Bible. If you want another definition, I can give you one in only two words. A cult is counterfeit Christianity. You know, cult is not just any other religion like Buddhism or Hinduism. These religions make no pretense of worshiping or serving the Judeo-Christian God. They go out and they claim that they serve another God. But a cult claims to adhere to the Christian faith. It purports to believe the Bible. The Jehovah Witnesses quoted, the Mormons read it, and Herbert Armstrong of the Worldwide Church of God preaches it. Or at least he preaches his distorted, twisted version of it. They claim to worship God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but in reality, a cult is really a wolf in sheep's clothing. For example... There are still some long-standing, centuries-old, sizable churches that have come to the full belief that salvation is by faith plus works. Faith in Jesus, to be sure, but they deny the sufficiency of Jesus. Therefore, works are necessary to get you through it. And uh, that's a cult. If there is a conflict... Between its traditions and the Bible, tradition carries more weight. That's a cult. Their leader is often determined to be an infallible on matters of faith and morals. That's a cult. Only the Bible is inerrant and infallible. And as will be seen, the cults have an extra biblical source of authority. See, they neglect the message of the gospel. They usually give prominence to some secondary idea or doctrine other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And generally, you will find as well that they have usually elevated an individual in history to be on the same level as the Lord Jesus Christ. And also there is usually some authoritative figure that commands a worshipful allegiance. And so a cult is a group that although it claims to be Christian and it claims to be orthodox and it claims biblical sanction, in reality, it is counterfeit Christianity. Let's look at some of the marks, some of the signs of the cult, second in your outline. Not all cults have these marks that we're going to enumerate, but all cults will have most of these in various degrees. And by the way, we can learn a great deal from the cults. For in so many areas of their faith and their religion, they put us to shame. First, mark conviction. They are sincere in their beliefs as we are in ours, and indeed, indeed they are more zealous in propagating their beliefs. 
They're not trying to put something over on anyone, but they know what they believe, and they sincerely believe what they know. This is, in fact, a real problem whenever one deals with cults. Now, I know that I'm going to be making some enemies by delivering this sermon. You're going to hear me saying what I perceive truthful things and yet very hard things about these cults. Some of you are going to be sitting there and wonder, why is he attacking the Mormons? Perhaps you have a neighbor who is a Mormon and he's a wonderful fellow. You could not ask for a cleaner living, more responsible person than he is. And the truth of the matter is, you're probably right. The truth of the matter is that a Mormon is probably one of the most upright, morally pure, responsible citizens in your neighborhood. For example, he will not drink. And I do not mean by that alcohol. He will not drink Cokes. He will not drink coffee. He won't even drink tea. He will not smoke. He will be a devoted family man. He will be an excellent worker, and he will be an outstanding citizen, and above all, he will be sincere in his faith. The only problem is, he will be sincerely wrong. And if salvation was based on works, he's good to go. You see, some have substituted honest sincerity for a holy faith. Listen, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere in believing it. Did you ever hear that statement before? Did it ever come across your experience? Pope Francis in the Vatican said that. The only thing wrong with that statement is it is wrong. You can sincerely believe that a loving God would never allow anyone to go to hell. But listen... If you die without Jesus Christ, that is exactly where you are going to spend eternity. The issue is not sincerity. The issue is truth. And there are some of you who think and are going to think that I'm being very unkind, almost malicious. But all I'm about to do is what I consider to stand up for truth. And I'm going to tell you the truth about the Mormons. I'm going to tell you the truth about the Jehovah Witnesses and other cults, no matter how sincere they might be. You know, I know some people who call the preacher who stands squarely upon the teachings of Christ and his apostles narrow, harsh, and cruel. As to being narrow, I have no desire to be any broader than my Lord Jesus Christ. As to being cruel, is it cruel to tell a man the truth? Is it a man to be called cruel because he declares the whole gospel of God and points out to men the danger they're headed for? Is it cruel to arouse sleeping people to the fact that the house is on fire? Is it cruel to jerk a blind man away from a snake who is in the coil? Is it cruel to declare to people the deadliness of sin, death, and tell them which medicine to take. So we're going to simply tell the truth this morning about cults. I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. But I do, wanna, you, I do want you to understand that these are people with sincere convictions. Second, commitment. You know, they train every member to become a witness 
and a missionary. And many of these groups require their members to go door to door. The Mormons expect many of their young men, when they reach a certain age, to give up at least two years to go out on the mission work. And these young men usually have to pay and raise their own support. They live in a foreign place on meager existence. They wear simple clothing. They walk or they ride bicycles up and down the the town, spreading their religion, their Mormon faith. The Jehovah Witnesses have become famous for door-to-door witnessing, and they require sacrificial giving from their members. It's not just that they expect it, it's that it's required if you're going to be part of that group. You may not know this, but most cults have money to burn. Many of them, many of their members, give far more than the 10% we usually ask for in our memberships. And you can see racks everywhere. Racks filled with attractive, well-laid-out, well-thought-out, well-printed literature. They publish and sell books. They publish literature with style and form, second to none. But listen, if you wanted to get a living definition of devotion, commitment, and zeal, you would not start with the Christian. You would start with the cultist. The third mark is cleverness. These cults are experts at counterfeiting Christianity. For example, they copy our methods. They have the same formats of Sunday school. They, they have their own television programs. They have similar worship services. They even send out their own missionaries, have their own missionary societies. But also, they quote scriptures. And as a matter of fact, this is where the cults are deadliest. The average Jehovah Witness can quote scriptures generally far more than the average Christian. But you need to understand that not everyone who quotes scripture represents orthodox Christianity. I want you to be aware of anyone who who tries to support his particular belief by just quoting one scripture here or one scripture verse there without turning the whole belief for the scrutiny of the entire counsel of God. You know, the method that they use, the methods of the cults, is distortion. The methods of the cult ends in, end in destruction. And I think the Bible clearly speaks of people who will come along, who will distort the scripture and twist the scripture for their own end. That is why Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, Handling accurately the word of truth. The cults are clever at using scripture. And they use it in such a way that it appears that their distorted teaching is indeed a true representation of Christian orthodoxy and scriptural truth. And the fourth mark, concern. The cults put the Christian church to shame in feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, housing the poor. As a matter of fact, this is how they gain many of their converts. They specifically send people out into the streets to look for runaways. They look for people who are down and out. They look for people who are in need of a helping hand. Do you remember Jim Jones and his church? Some of you are too young for that, but if you saw or if you read about it or saw the movie about the about 
about that work, you know that the people of his church were rejects of society, people that no one else cared for. And many of the followers of Jim Jones would never have lifted that poison to their lips if the church, the real church, had offered them a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Third, the menace of the cults. I want you to understand, I'm not leading you through this study because cults, cults are interesting, but because cults are dangerous. Paul Revere called America to arms not because he wanted to see a good fight, but because freedom was at stake. Spiritual freedom of many of your children is at stake. Many of you have recently sent your kids off to college, and in the years to come, many more will do the same. Please know that our colleges and universities are breeding grounds for cults, and they prey on inactive church members, and they are vigorously going after anybody who will listen. I think we can agree. Young kids at that age want to listen, and they listen. So we can no longer exercise this ostrich mentality and hope that it goes away. And so that is the multiplication of the cults, our next section. Today, there are over 3,000 different cults in the United States. Jesus Christ predicted that in the latter days, there would be a proliferation of false teachers and false teachings. And so consider Matthew 24, 5 and 11. Verse 5, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. Verse 11, and many false prophets will rise and will mislead many. And Paul also predicted for the latter days the same thing. He says in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to miss. Why? Are cults growing so rapidly today? I've already said a couple of reasons. Their commitment, their zeal, and their convictions. But on the other side of the coin, the, the church has also contributed to the growth of these cults. How? First, by liberalism. In the sea of relativism that we find this country sinking into more and more, people are looking for an island of absolutes. People are looking for someone to say, right is right and wrong is wrong. This is right and this is wrong because God says it so. Listen, the cult's best friend is the liberal. While the Christian liberal is saying, I'm not sure what God has said, the cult says, we're sure, come on over. While the liberal says, sometimes the Bible is clear and sometimes the Bible is not, the cult is saying, our Bible is always clear. Come on over. You see, a liberal is simply a confused person trying to lead confused men into more confusion. The liberal is much like Christopher Columbus. Someone described Christopher Columbus this way. I'll read it to you. It's not mine. Quote, If you think you're confused, consider poor Columbus. When he left to explore the world, he didn't know where he was going. When he got to America, he didn't know where he was. And when he got back, he didn't know where he'd been. End of quote. 
The liberal doesn't know where truth is. He doesn't know truth when he sees it, and he's not sure of it when he does. But you see, people today are looking for a man who knows who he is, one who knows what he believes, and one who knows where he's going. And if you can't stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, I can assure you the cult will step in, they'll step into the gap, they'll fill the vacuum, and they'll say, thus saith the Lord. And the second thing, the second method of contribution to cults is lukewarmness. This is just another word for laziness, apathy, or spiritual indifference. You mean, you know, too many of our churches today have people who sit in the pews with a ho-hum attitude about salvation for the lost. They simply say, if the Jehovah Witness goes to every door in my neighborhood, it's all right, just don't bother me. How many of you have ever experienced a Mormon or Jehovah Witness knock on your door? That ought to put us to shame. It's an amazing thing. We sit in our homes, in our neighborhoods, while people all around us are on their way to hell, and the Jehovah Witness will go to every door in our neighborhood, and he doesn't even believe in hell. And while people all around us waiting for us to jump in, you know, I don't know whether Rome was burning while Nero fiddled, but I do know that hell is burning while the church is sleeping. You see, the cult has looked at the church and then looked at the world and said, if you're not going after them, we will. Fifth, the measure of the cults. Three tests. We are told in God's word to test the spirits, to see whether they are from God. I'm going to give you three tests that you can use to measure a group and see whether or not they are indeed a cult. First, first test. What do they say about the scriptures? What is their source of authority? Ask them, on what do you base your teaching? How do you authenticate your doctrine? What is the source of your authority? If their authority is anything other than or in addition to the Bible, you're dealing with a cult. And even though many of these groups claim to be biblical, if you examine them closely, you'll find that they elevate some other written material to the same level or a higher level than the Bible. They do this to justify their own doctrines. The cult has to do three things. Correct scripture, reinterpret scripture, or add another source of authority to Scripture. So the Mormon appeals to the Book of Mormon. If there is a contradiction between the Bible and the Book of Mormon, guess who you think is going to win out? The Christian science appeals to science and, and health. The Jehovah Witness refers to the Bible, but it's their own New World Translation Bible that they refer to, which is nothing more than a biased translation and a reinterpretation of the true scriptures. So the first question we will apply to every cult is, what did you say? What do you say about your scripture and where is the source or sources of your authority? The second test, what do they say about the Savior? Does this particular group 
believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. But don't stop there. If you ask a Jehovah Witness that, he'll say yes. Do you believe in asking another question? Do you believe that Jesus is both co-equal and co-eternal with the Father? And that as co-equal, he has the authority of the Father, and the Father cannot supersede the authority of the Son. That he is co-eternal, that is, he was not created by God. Rather, he was a creator with God, and he has always had his own independent, eternal coexistence. The Jehovah Witness cannot accept that. The real key to a cult is what did they say about the Savior? You know, you can wade through a lot of doctrine and save a lot of time by just getting to the heart of the issue and find out what they believe about Jesus, our Savior. And the Bible says in 1 John 4, 2 and 3, By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. If an individual is wrong or a group is wrong about Jesus, it doesn't matter on what issues they're right. You know, there are grains of truth in practically every cult. But you see, a cult is like a broken clock. And you know that a broken clock is always right at least twice a day. But whether a group is right on one doctrine or another, make sure that they believe in Jesus and make sure that they believe in the right Jesus. You know, many of the cults are preaching Jesus. They're preaching a lovely Jesus. They are preaching a beautiful Jesus. But they are not preaching the Jesus of the Bible, the co-equal, co-eternal, atoning Son of God. Third test. What do they say about salvation? Is their message of salvation the gospel of Jesus Christ? Every cult preaches a gospel but it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Galatians 1.8, But even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. What is the New Testament gospel that Paul claims to have preached? Well, it's found in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So you ask them the question, are you preaching any other gospel than this? And then is their method of salvation the grace of God? Do they believe in salvation by grace through faith with the shed blood of Jesus Christ as the only basis for the forgiveness of your sins? Are they personally trusting Jesus as Lord? Are they depending on anything else to take them to heaven? One of the things that you're going to find, you're going to find that a cult, by and large, believes in salvation, not by grace through faith, but a salvation by works and more and more works. And so if a group is wrong in any of these things or all of these things, if they're wrong on Scripture, they're wrong on the Savior, or they're wrong on salvation, they are most likely 
cult. And in conclusion, this issue of this whole matter with the cults is not sincerity. It's truth. I like what one man said about truth. He said, you can tamper with the truth, you can tinker with the truth, you can redecorate the truth, and you can camouflage the truth, but you cannot change the truth. You know, Jesus said, thy word is truth. The issue is not who is right or just who is wrong. The issue is who is telling the truth. You know, when God gave us this book, he gave us the standard of truth. He gave us the yardstick of truth by which every group, every preacher, every religion is to be measured. Line up every group by what they say about scripture, what they say about the Savior, and what they say about salvation, and we will let truth make the judgment. Amen? Amen. Well, service is over. This morning, as you leave the safety and comfort of our family of God, remember to prayerfully put on the full armor of God. And then you tuck your Bible close to your heart and you go and you do battle as you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.